Well, for millions of Australians, it's their lifeblood and the latest report card on the Murray-Darling Basin Plan has some significant failings. The uh, latest assessment by the Murray-Darling Authority has found only minor gains in the past six months. It's likely to heap political pressure on the Environment Minister, Tanya Plebisek, as important elements of the plan are unlikely to be achieved by a key deadline next year. The uh, authority's CEO is Andrew McConville. Uh, he joins me now. Welcome to RN Drive, Andrew. Thanks very much, Andy. Good to be here. Based on your report card and given how far behind key targets are at returning water to the system, are buybacks inevitable? Look, I mean, buybacks are, are an option that, that are at the, the, the hand of the government. I mean, our, our focus, Andy, is on obviously reporting uh, against progress in terms of how states are progressing. But, you know, once we have determined that, then, you know, it's a role for government to determine how they want to recover the water. What I would say is that, you know, the the targets set out in the basin plan, you know, are extremely important to ensure that we improve the health of the river and the health of the floodplains, and that's right through the basin. Um, and, you know, we're very passionate about seeing the full outcomes of the plan being achieved for, for all Australians, given the importance of the basin. For casual observers of this system, they can get bogged down pretty quickly in the, the, the technicalities of this. But mm. essentially, uh, you're saying that there are shortfalls in keeping 605 gigalitres of water in consumptive use, yep. and you're essentially you're essentially pointing the finger in terms of delays at the states here. Why is that? Well, look, in terms of the basin plan, you probably have to think about it in three three parts. There's the or the bridging the gap water, and that was 2,100 gigalitres uh, to be returned to the environment. And, and we're actually about 98% of the way there in terms of that water uh, being returned. The other two parts, uh, yeah, a commitment that the state's made through a series of projects to basically keep 605 gigalitres of water in the consumptive pool. A good way to think about that, Andy, is it's a bit like a credit and then you, you, know, you get the credit for the water staying in the consumptive pool and the projects are the repayment of that credit. And what we've said there is that there are a number of projects at risk that won't be delivered and that could result uh, in a shortfall and that would then require us to do a reconciliation to say this is how much we're short uh, and then for the minister to determine whether adjustments needed to be made. Um, so that's sort of the second part. And then the third component is 450 gigalitres of water uh, for the environment to be uh, you know, recovered through efficiency savings. And again, progress in that regard has been very limited. So, so why, report... have you, why have you highlighted New South Wales as being a bit of a handbrake here? What, what, what are they not doing that other states are or were? Well, look, I think it's important to recognise New South Wales is the predominance of the basin, Andy, so there's a lot of heavy lifting that needs to be done both in terms of the supply and constraints projects, um, the water that's been recovered for the environment um, and, and how New South Wales is going to go about meeting their part of the deal. And a big component of that is, is water resource plans and every state has water resource plans which set out on a catchment by catchment basis you know, how water was, was to be managed and, and recovered. New South Wales has the predominance of those water resource plans. In fact, 20 of the 33 required. The other states have submitted theirs and New South Wales 
at the, at the date we made this assessment, they had uh, four water resource plans uh, accredited. The good news I can report, Andy, as of yesterday, the remaining 16 plans have all been formally submitted to the MDBA, and now we need to go through the process of assessing those and determining whether we can recommend to the minister to, that they be accredited. But yeah, it's it's been a delay in getting those water resource plans, but it's good that we've now got them to start reviewing them. What is the process to accredit these plans? How long will that take? <laughs> It's, it's a tough one, Andy. It's, it's a very, very complex process, as you can imagine. I mean, these are enormous documents. There are 55 requirements that we must assess uh, each and every plan against, and you know, they're done on a, on a catchment-by-catchment basis. So there are a lot of differences, if you like, in the way in which water resources are going to be managed. There's requirements for consultation. So it's a a bit of an answer it takes as long as it takes, but it is a complex process and, and certainly um, you know, we will be doing everything we can to progress the assessment of those plans so that we can make recommendations to the Minister as quickly as we can, but it is going to take considerable time. So in the fullness of time, you assess and accredit these plans, mm. you make recommendations to the Minister. Mm. What measures are in place to make sure states like New South Wales and Victoria comply with these plans? What's yeah. the stick here? Well, that's. I mean, there's there's a couple of points here. I mean, that's the importance of new uh, sorry of water resource plans being accredited. What that does is that enables the Inspector General of Water Compliance, uh, who's the regulator, if you like, to oversight how states are progressing in the implementation of those plans. And until those water resource plans are accredited, um, you know, those arrangements aren't formalised. So that that's very important. And the, and the Inspector General then assesses the progress of the states in meeting their commitments under the water resource plan. So that's that's sort of point one, I suppose, Andy. The second is in relation to the 605 gigalitres of water to be recovered through what we call the supply and constraints measures. We as the MDBA will make an assessment and we can make a recommendation to the Minister that a reconciliation needs to be uh, performed, and that would then see an adjustment to what we call the sustainable diversion limits of water that can be extracted, you know, from from the basin uh, by states to to continue to, you know, do what they do in terms of of, of communities, whether they be agricultural, and and others that depend on the basin. So it's uh, there's a there's a definite. Um, stick there if you like in terms of the the prospect of that reconciliation happening if, if those plans aren't if those projects aren't completed it's 22 past four on rn drive uh, the ceo of the murray darling basin authority andrew mcconville is here we're talking about whether or not the states and the federal government can sort of meet the key targets and deadlines for the plan that we know was set down for a 10-year timeline the report says only minor gains were, were made mm. last year just, just tell me again. What were the, the the gains that you've seen in total? Yeah, look, I mean, some some good news indeed. Anne. I mean, the, the the first is the the overall water recovery. The the first component of water recovery being the twenty one hundred gigalitres of bridging the gap water. You know, we're ninety eight percent of the way there. There's about forty nine gigalitres to be recovered, and that's a significant achievement. And you know, we should never lose sight of the fact that the the Murray Darling Basin Plan is absolutely world leading in terms of its. Uh, intent and, and performance in returning water to the environment from a system that was being overused. And, and we've got to acknowledge and applaud that. I think the second, you know, the, the good progress that's now being made by New South Wales uh, on its water resource plans, absolutely. But I think the third one I'd like to just highlight, Andy, is that, you know, we are seeing water for the environment you know, having an impact, even when there's a lot of water around like there has been, using water for the environment to improve water quality, to improve uh, 
to, to provide refuges for fish in sort of flooding environments, that's been very positive. And I'd also say in the last drought, which was very, very sharp and severe in the northern part of the basin, it was water for the environment that ensured that the system remained connected and connectivity to the system is, is really important. So, you know, we know a lot more than we knew 10 years ago when the basin plan started and we are you know, seeing really good results coming from that uh, environmental water. And, and we should you know, be very grateful for that and the benefits that it's, it's bringing for the environment. That is the flip side of the uh, sort of disasters that we've seen, certainly in central mm. New South Wales and northern New South Wales. And given those flooding events, I mean, are you mm. surprised that greater gains weren't made, particularly when it comes to water recovery and, and environmental water delivery? Oh, look, it, it is tough. It's tough on communities and, and, and the adjustment required to, to achieve the outcomes of the basin plan, and we should never never forget that. I, I think you know, what we saw with, with the most recent flooding was, was quite extraordinary, and, and you know, a lot of people have been affected and still recovering, and that's tough, and our hearts go out to them. But you know, I, I think in terms of what that meant for the basin plan, it certainly helped us understand you know, at, at different levels where water flows and how water moves. Um, you know, it's difficult, obviously, with that volume of water. You, you can't capture it all, and unfortunately, you can't you, you can't keep it all because water flows downstream. So, you know, it, it's going to flush through the system. But what it did do was it's given the floodplains in many, many parts of the basin you know, a really good drink, and, and, and that needs to happen. The ecosystems depend on, on flooding uh, of this magnitude as hard as it is for communities. You know, the longer-term benefits for, for the floodplains will be very, very significant. So that's been the upside, I suppose, Andy, of the difficult flooding situation, and we learn from that. Um, but, you know, I've been involved in agriculture and natural resource management for 30 years, and I can tell you that, you know, sure as eggs, the next drought will be just around the corner. So the basin plan is about how we plan for that as well. A key meeting of water ministers takes place in little more than a week's time. Given some of the progress in New South Wales has made in the last 24 hours, mm. what are you hoping to see in terms of momentum to achieve the bulk of this plan at that meeting? Well, look, certainly I think, you know, there is a strong commitment across all governments to continue progress on the implementation uh, of the plan and, and ministers coming together to share that intent, I think, is is really, really important. I think it's about saying, OK, well, where are the gaps? And that's why this report is so useful in the lead up to the MINCO. You know, what are our options to look at ways in which we can continue to recover that water for the environment, ways in which we can you know, help states achieve, you know, those projects that they've that they've committed to, um, you know, they're the sorts of areas of focus that I think we want to see uh, at a ministerial council. And I know that ministers will be very committed to to see that they can do that, given the importance of the basin plan for you know so much of Australia. We'll have to leave it there, Andrew. Appreciate you joining me this afternoon. A real pleasure, Andy. Thanks very much for having me. Andrew McConville is the CEO of the Murray Darling Basin Authority. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.